0: Good morning. Thank you for
1: having me. You're welcome. Tell us about, you know, I think that human trafficking, from what I know about it, which is really very little, is one of those things people don't like to talk about. So tell us some things that we are pretty common that we would drive by or really experience every day that's like, oh, that's probably human trafficking or that's a place where it might take place.
0: for sure i'm sure that in your city you have strip clubs and maybe massage parlors cantinas brothels those kind of things you already kind of know it's illicit sexual behavior but because they're established businesses you don't think that they're illegal oftentimes we drive by and we say oh you know that's shady i shouldn't go there i have character i have a reputation but you know those are for other people and i think when we drive by we realize wait a second You know, I'm married, I've been married to my husband, I have a crush on my husband, I'm married, I'm happily married, and I don't want to have sex 20 times a day with him. Why would anyone want to have sex with strangers 20 times a day? When we start asking these questions about human behavior, I think then we can start saying, wait a second, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not natural. That's not real life.
1: And so how big is this problem?
0: It's at a national level, and it probably generates about two billion dollars a year.
1: Oh, and in, in, you mean in, in the trade of, of humans? Yes. Walk us through, uh, because I'm sure there's parents listening of teenage girls, and my understanding is is that's pretty much the straight-on target is teenage girls. How, how does that happen?
0: Unfortunately, teenage girls are part of the problem. And I'm going to dial it way back to high school, middle school kids that are now sexting. They're sending nudes back and forth. Um, It's the way of dating. Perhaps it's the way of getting to know each other. I like you. You like me. So I send you a dirty picture of myself. And then you send me one back. These children are now creating and distributing child pornography. When I say that, they're part of the problem because it perpetuates this culture and this mindset of children for sale, uh, creating pornography, which now becomes the menu for sex trafficking. And you and I both know that those pictures are never deleted, even though they're deleted off your phone. They end up in a cloud, which actually is um, a file that, that never goes away, easily accessible for any computer hacker to be able to get that file, maybe some creepy guy in Utah, and, and he's able to, to prey upon a girl in North, in North Carolina that he's never met before able to stalk her, get a hold of her, and and going through all of these things, able to contact her. And Even though that sounds far, far-fetched, it's not. It happens all the time, all the time.
2: And this is a scary situation looking at teenagers because... Their mindset is, oh my gosh, is this adorable boy that, I, you know, that I'm taking these pictures for? And then they may not necessarily be an adorable boy at all. So, I mean, just, it's a dangerous, uh, dangerous waters to walk on, especially with as much access as you can get to the internet now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's probably not even a teenage boy at the other end. I mean, maybe if you went to school and it's a classmate and those pictures get, you know, sent around the locker room, but on um, an internet level, you know, he's probably, you're absolutely right, probably a grown man on the other end saying he's a 14, 15-year-old boy and, hey, you're cute, send me a picture. He's a pedophile.
1: So now somehow they uh, capture or kidnap or keep captive these, these girls. Is that accurate?
0: It is true. Uh, very seldom do they need to kidnap. Very seldom. A girl will come on her own. If she, if, if the bait is right, you are cute, I want to take care of you, do you want to go out? Uh, We had a situation not too long ago where she met uh, a young man online. It was, you know, age appropriate. But she met him online, and she got a ride to the movie theater where they were going to watch a movie. Of course, she didn't think 10 minutes ahead about a backup plan. Uh, What if he didn't show up? What if he wasn't everything that she thought he was? She didn't have a backup plan. She got dropped off and ended up being sexually assaulted by this young boy. She had no way out and no way of escape. And you owe me. I I paid for your movie ticket. We do, I think sometimes we don't think of those kind of things as, um, as not okay. And you might say, well, how long was she gone for? She was gone for three days. Wow. Because when her ride came back, she was gone. He took her back to his uncle's house where she got passed around.
1: What kinds of things, uh, a couple questions, really, I think, uh, if I'm a parent of a teenage girl. And does it, it happens to boys, too, yes?
0: It does. It happens to boys. It happens to boys, and, and I think, the first of all, let me just say this. It happens to boys often, but not as often. Yeah. And it's, not, it's, very, it's underreported, and it's misidentified. Um, very seldom will you get a, be able to get a young man to talk about sexual assault because it's very shameful. It emasculates him. Then he, he struggles with his identity. I'm not gay, but maybe I'm gay and all of those things about his sexuality. And
1: the question I was going to ask is, if I'm a parent, uh, first and foremost, what are some of the things that I need to watch out for with my child that might lead to this kind of stuff? And number two, if I suspect it's going on, uh, what should I do?
0: So let's just start with having the conversation with your children. I have a 17-year-old. I tell her she's not special. When I say that, yes, I absolutely love her. She is special. She's special to me and special to God. But letting her know, listen, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. To make her wise and say, you don't talk to people that you don't know. You don't give out your phone number. I remember back in the day when I was a kid, we'd run around the mall and we'd give out our phone numbers and we would talk to boys. Well, those days are gone. And making our children wise for the world that we live in and not the one that we wish we did. Um, Talking to our children about predators. Talking to our children about drugs. You know, oftentimes, hey, you want to go get high? You want to go smoke? You want to come over and party you want to be included and those kind of things are also lures because I want to be included and I want to have friends and I want to be cool but making our children wise, having those conversations and you had nailed it um, right when we first opened this interview you had said people don't want to talk about it because maybe we don't know enough to talk about
2: it or it's very very uncomfortable and even if something is happening uh, no matter whether it is a young man or a young woman uh, the the fact of opening up i mean even with young women it it could be yes this happened but you know it was my fault maybe i dressed this way and trying to get that uh that dialogue open that no you did not do anything that caused this to be your fault and and that's that's something that's just dialogue even for adult women that have been in a sexual assault case uh it's it's something that could still apply here that that conversation still needs to happen. They are a victim of a crime.
0: Absolutely. The best thing, as far as advocates could do, is just sit next to a victim while they're getting the rape kit tested done. Just sitting with them. It's not your fault. And it's going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. And this does not define you. And we're going to get through this. And being able to be a support system and encouragement for any sort of sexual assault. But again, um, the truth of it is, is a woman could take all of her clothes off voluntarily um, and with consent, and then change her mind at the last minute, and she still has that right to say no. And and even in the middle of it, if she changes her mind and says no, then no still means no. Yeah. And we live in this culture, too, where um, I think that people think, well, no means yes. You're teasing me. You're playing me. You're You're trying to coerce me with your no so that I would say yes. And that's not true. No still means no. And I think if there's one thing that we could teach our children is no means
2: no, and make sure that your yes is yes and your no is no. The Bible's clear about that. And there's a lot of resources uh, in in the triangle itself that it can help those that. You know, may sense that there might be an issue. Uh, help educate the young men and young women. Or if, in an f- unfortunate situation, that something does happen, that you know, you're an advocate, and there's other advocates that are around the triangle that can help these young men and women.
1: Is is there federal help available? Is that what are what are some of the national programs?
2: The National programs. We have the
0: Polaris Project, which brings community awareness, and which is great. We have a community. I mean, sorry, a national phone number eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight is the national hotline for human trafficking. So if you have questions about human trafficking, you can call that. If you are a victim and you are in crisis, you can call that, and um, help will come. So that's the national resource. As far as um, funding for safe housing and education and aftercare, systematic aftercare, those things are going to be at a community level with your local YWCA, with your local hospitals, and maybe even with your local safe centers. We also see, too, that the LGBTQ is doing something very well, and they are creating these safe spaces, educating their own community about sexual awareness and also no-judgment zones. These are also very safe places for somebody who has been a victim of sexual assault. The LGBTQ is, is a prime, vulnerable community for sexual assault. They understand it very well, and this is one thing that the LGBTQ is doing well in their own communities and it's nationwide.
1: Tell us about your ministry.
0: So Tipton Ministries is uh, is a ministry right here out of Flint, Michigan. We are boots on the ground um, actively rescuing and restoring victims of sex trafficking and sexual assault. Uh, we, we look for them. We go where, where youth are vulnerable without a lot of supervision, maybe where kids are skipping school and getting high and those kind of things that put them at target. We work very closely with the alternative education program, because all of those kids are already at risk, already falling through the cracks somewhere, and, and also looking maybe to establish themselves for a better life. They are very vulnerable. We work closely with schools. We work closely with law enforcement. If they come across a runaway, don't take that runaway home. You don't know what she's running away from at home. We have one little girl that she ran away from home, and she was rescued. Uh, she was taken back home. About She was gone about four months, taken back home, and she ran away again. And oftentimes we think, oh, she's just a troubled teenager. Well, you don't know what's going on at home. Perhaps it's a creepy stepdad. Perhaps there's other things going on in the home that she's not even safe there. We work very closely with law enforcement. Do not take a runaway home. Put her into, um, we have Reach and Traverse Place, which is right here in Genesee County, which will not only house somebody from 10 to 17, we have another house for 17 to 24 year olds. So anyone who is on the streets and needs a safe place to stay, needs counseling services, needs housing options. We will take them immediately and be able to put them into safe housing until we can figure out how can we best help you and support you.
1: This is a deep, complicated program uh, problem, not only here locally in the Triangle, but nationwide and worldwide. Really, truly, uh, when you look at it. So uh, we don't want to be ignorant to the problem. So what have we not asked?
0: We just need to be aware. I think we have a huge epidemic with pornography, so let's just start there with that conversation. Pornography becomes the menu for everything that you can purchase, and if we're talking to a Christian community, then we need to start looking at our churches, and the pornography inside of our churches, inside of those marriages inside of our churches, and how they're um, affecting the family and the children, and then the ripping apart of the marriage infrastructure. Right there is, is a prime um, sore spot, I think, that we need to start saying, wait a second, pornography really is a problem. Nobody has ever, ever said that pornography saved my marriage. Nobody ever said that. Because now it becomes um, something that is, is taking away the intimacy and and the, the infrastructure of a marriage, the trust. When we, when we say about that, because now you can purchase those things. So now when you drive down to um, the sexy strip in your community, the red light district, those, things that, those images that you've seen on the computer are now real people that you can buy. And those fantasies that you've seen are now real fantasies that you can engage in. Do you see how this is such a slippery slope? Because we used to think that pornography and Playboy and those kind of things were just what men do. And now we're realizing, wait a second, this is perpetuating this human trafficking, you said it was a na- it's, it's a, a worldwide problem. It's not just a national level. When we have um, um, executives purchasing young girls from an auto show, you know, they're not at the auto show. They're locked in a hotel as businessmen are traveling. And there's somebody in the hotel lobby that says, hey, if you want a good time, you're here alone. You know, room 512. You know, if you're looking for a good time, room 512. And men can just go up there and, and for 30 minutes, have their way with a girl that has not left that hotel room in seven to eight
2: days. This is such a, a tough topic, and I'm sure for you, too, that it takes a special person to uh, be able to continue to have the compassion and the caring for these young men and women and also at the same time be able to you know, stay rational and stay tough and still be able to speak on it. And, Christina, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.